With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni. On VSEN, the sports betting network. This Valentine's Day edition of the Lombardi Line presented by DraftKings. I'll tell you what I don't love on this Valentine's Day. The Chiefs getting after it on their Super Bowl parade. Every single member of Chiefs Kingdom out in full force to celebrate what is the third Super Bowl win in five years. You know, you'd think, Michael, it would be old hat for these people by now. But no, they are so they are so into it. How are we doing today? We are good. Neither of us were red because we're still depressed about the outcome, but that's okay. I mean, you know, they can celebrate it. It's good for them. I, I think to me, there's nothing better than when you celebrate it because in the National Football League, right, once you reach that plateau, once you reach that, tomorrow you wake up and you got to start all over again because mm-hmm. everybody's O and O and O and you got to try to defend your title. So enjoy today while you can. That's my motto. Yeah, you des- they deserve it. Good for them. Uh, I will say there have been a couple funny clips that have come through. I'm looking forward to when they get on the stage and we hear all the inebriated speeches, but you got Willie Gay, who I just saw laying on the ground, doing an interview with local news, no shirt, no shoes. I thought that meant no service, but he's still getting the interviews. It's great. It looks like they're having a lot of fun. Well, and it's going to be interesting to see what the, you know, what Kelsey does. I mean, I thought his after the game speech with Viva Las Vegas all the way going through was a little bit over yeah. the top. But now we add alcohol into the mix. Oh, my. Better watch out. So I'm, can he duplicate his brother dressed up as a mummer? I don't know. We'll see. I'm sure he'll do something. But I, I got to tell you, Michael, I'm I'm sick of it. I, I talked about it a little bit on the show yesterday. I was like, I feel like the Chiefs, generally speaking, have been a pretty likable team. You think about the quarterback Netflix documentary and everybody's rooting for Patrick Mahomes because not only is he great, but he's a good guy. And da, 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 da. I'm over it. I'm done. I'm tired of it. I need it to end. So I need somebody. I hope it's the 49ers, but I need somebody to knock these guys off the pedestal. And honestly, like, come on, you were just in Vegas. Can we be partied out now? I need them to be done and move on and get reset for next year. I know when I landed back here yesterday, like I'm still tired, like Vegas can kick your butt, you know, and I didn't do any of the partying that was typically going on around the Super Bowl. So I agree with you, Stormy. But, you know, this is, you know, we focus so much on the winner, right? We do. Mm-hmm. But you, if you were in Buffalo, New York today, you know, you have to be saying to yourself, man, it was our chance of all the four playoff games the Chiefs played. 
even including the Niner game. The Bills game had every opportunity to win that game. They could have been Super Bowl champs, and they let it slip out of their hands. Mm -hmm. And so to me, you got to use that as your motivation, right? You got to use that as your ability. Detroit probably feels the same way. We had them on the ropes and we couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. Would Detroit have given them a better game? I don't know. I thought San Francisco had every opportunity. You know, everybody focuses on the Third and five play, you know, which is typical because that's where, you know, they throws the incomplete pass and McCaffrey's open on the angle route. But the the second down call was the one. The second down call was the one that really put them in the position that they didn't need to be in. And so, you know, it's going to be one of those days you're just going to have to kind of go over it. We're seeing the 49ers lose a lot of staff yeah. members. Clint Kubiak's going to New Orleans. Anthony Lynn now is going to Washington. So for all the work that's been done, they're going to have to rebuild again. Yeah, and while they are moving on from the 49ers, the Chiefs have done nothing but cement the fact that they want their defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnuolo, there for a little bit longer, and deservedly so. Uh, with the Super Bowl win, he set an NFL record for four Super Bowls now as a coordinator. No other coordinator has done that. Props to him. Um, they agreed to an extension. The Chiefs this year ranked second in points allowed, allowing 17.3 points per game. They were even better in the playoffs. You talk about the game against Buffalo, but Miami, ball Baltimore, San Francisco allowed four of the six highest scoring teams in the NFL, held them to fewer than an average of 16 points per game in the playoffs. So good for the Chiefs to maintain what has been a great staff for this group in this run. You know, look, Spags has done a great job and, you know, he's going to get evaluated based on his three years in St. Louis where he was 10 and 38. And, you know, had a 20% winning percentage. And when you add his time as the Giants interim coach in 17, you know, he comes out as a 21% win percentage coach. And so he's wondering, you know, he was on the Brian Baldinger pod this week. I listened to it and he was talking about, you know, I, why can't I get another chance? And, and I think it's somewhat, you know, true. He was 50 years old when he became a head coach for the first time. And now as he gets older, it, it's going to pass him by. But he does a tremendous job. There's been no assistant coach in the Hall of Fame, right? There's been none of that because, you you know, Dick LeBeau's in the Hall of Fame, but he's in there as a player. It's not as an assistant, right? So like Bucko Kilroy, all decade player in the 40s, he can't and he was an executive all through the, you know, the league developed grading systems. But you can't combine them to get in. Dan Reeves, for example, won a Super Bowl as a player, play a coach, Super Bowl, went to Super Bowls as a head coach, but nothing's going to matter. And you have to go in in one way or the other. So I think there needs to be a little bit of a broader place. I don't think Spagnola will get another head coaching opportunity. And I think that's probably the best thing he has going for him. Sign an extension and keep keep going with Kansas City. Here, here's where I think the key part of what Spagnola was able to accomplish he got the young players to play well, and that's that's the key. They were the youngest defense in the NFL on average, 25.4 years old. And you, you see all the T-shirts and spags we trust. Like, those young guys love him, and they went to work for him. And, you know, they have three Super Bowls now to show for it. This was the best defense that the Kansas City Chiefs have had during this run. Um, and, and you mentioned the, the losses on the coaching staff for the San Francisco 49ers. Which do you think will be more significant, Anthony Lynn or Clint Kubiak on the way out? 
Well, I think, you know, look, I think Anthony Lynn gives them a sense of toughness, you know, that they need. Uh, Bobby Turner has always been the running back coach, so he'll stay as the running back coach. He goes back to Mike's time in Denver, Bobby Turner. I mean, he's known Kyle since he was a little kid. So I think that that will help Dan Quinn solidify and give them some toughness with Kubiak, with Clint King, with Kingsbury as now as the offensive coordinator. You know, you need a little bit of toughness, and Lynn brings that to the table. There's no question. Kubiak, look, Kubiak is from the same school as Kyle. I think Kyle probably wants to try to deviate a little bit, try to get into another program, kind of steal ideas. You see it on the tape when you go back and watch the All-22. There's there's other teams involved, other teams' concepts involved in what he's incorporated. Kyle's not going to stand still. I think he's always going to evolve and change, and I think that's probably important. Kubiak gets an opportunity to work with Derek Carr, who's now we're going to have to listen to all the people in the offseason talk about, well, you know, this is the seventh offense for Carr, yada, 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 yada. Okay, we'll see if we can win in this one. Well, you'll be happy to know, Michael, I've officially jumped off of that. I used to be a Derek Carr apologist, but I've moved on. That that take <laughs> is dead and buried for your girl. But, um, but Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch both did their end of season rap media availability yesterday. And hopefully this is the last time we talk about it, at least in the foreseeable future. But Kyle discussed again, the reasoning why he decided to take the ball first in overtime, discussing a blend of feel and analytics. Take a listen. We did say, and we told everyone as we were waiting for the coin toss, hey, review everyone with to make sure they're sure before we go out. So we asked the position coach to do that, but no, I didn't cover it in a meeting on the Super Bowl week. I don't think that changes anything. Um, we did it with our analytics department. We decided that going into the playoffs. What, you know, I think you guys know how I've explained how I make decisions with that stuff in the past. I take all the information I can get, um, especially ones I haven't been in. And, um, our analysts felt that was the best way to go. But as you guys know, I don't always just go with that. Uh, I take into account what they say, what they think is right. And then I go off my gut in the heat of battle and I knew what they felt going into it. And when I think about that during the moments I have to make the decision, I think the type of game it was did match what they felt was the best way to do. It did seem more like a field goal game. Um, and our defense had been out there for a real long time right before that. So uh, it was no, I didn't feel at all to override that at the time. And John Lynch doubled down, too, on the defense being tired, which I was glad that we finally heard that part of the argument. But like, yeah, so I listened to that from Shanahan and I'm like, okay, I appreciate this reasoning a little bit more. I still don't love the decision, but okay, I can appreciate the thing. And then I have to scroll on Twitter today and see a video from Travis Kelsey on the New Heights podcast talking about as soon as they took the ball, like the referees were even like, are you sure? And we were like, oh, they gave it just added to the list of why I do not like Travis Kelsey and I do not my newfound hatred of the Kansas City Chiefs, Michael. But when you heard from Shanahan, what did you think? I, I think what he said was really good because he's what he's taken into account is the game. And he's listening to the analytical people who obviously gave him that advice. But he also knows his defense played 23 plays in the fourth quarter. Yeah. They were exhausted. And I, and I think the one thing, to me, the bigger message over this whole thing, really, it, it comes down to simply this, right? It comes down to his defense in two Super Bowls got tired. His defense, when has to play man-to-man in the fourth quarter and has to blitz, is not very effective. This is a deeper concept and a deeper co- understanding than just you didn't take the ball mm-hmm. or you didn't defer. Like this is to me, it's so superficial. It's ridiculous. The biggest issue in this game was 
A, not making plays against split zero, and B, being too tired in the fourth quarter because your front couldn't press anymore. And it's happened in numerous Super Bowls. It happened It happened in Super Bowls forever. Teams get tired in the fourth quarter. We see more offense. And if you're Kyle Shanahan, this decision isn't one you're wrestling with. The decision is, how do we play better defense in the fourth quarter when our front's tired? That's really what he has to work on, whereas everybody else is going to focus on this because that's all they know. They don't understand the fact that when he tried to blitz in the game, the blitzes were not good because they're not. a. You cannot be a good zone team and go to man. You can be a man team and go to zone, but you cannot do it. Look, here, I'll just give you this example. Jim Beheim, John Chaney, right? You study college basketball. Both those guys were great zone concept defensive coaches. But when they taught the zone, they started with man. So their man, their zone became a, it was started with, they started teaching man to man before they installed the zone. See, that's what you got to do. It's going to be a lot to figure out with that defense for sure. Uh, when we come back from this quick timeout, our first break of today's edition of the Lombardi line, let's stick with the theme of defense because we didn't get to talk about it earlier in the week. We were inundated with all things Super Bowl, but the Dallas Cowboys did hire officially their new defensive coordinator. Michael's thoughts on Mike Zimmer taking that role when we come back. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare We, uh, we got to hit the break here. We'll continue some of this NFL draft conversation, though, when we come back. We got a great guest from FantasyPros.com. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. 
With the 2023-24 NFL chapter in the rear view, I'm sure you're looking for a betting edge on something else, maybe college hoops, maybe the NBA. Well, the VEASAN experts have you covered. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today with our introductory offer of just $9.99. Subscribe today. You'll get our daily best bet emails, 24-7 video access, plus the upcoming college hoops betting guide with bracket breakdowns and full access to VEASAN.com with our exclusive betting splits on every single game. Don't miss out, though. This is a limited time offer. Visit VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Again, you can sign up for just $9.99. That's VEASAN.com slash subscribe. V-S-I-N.com slash subscribe. This is the Lombardi Line alongside Michael Lombardi, Stormy Bond, and Tony with you. And let's dive into a little bit of NFL draft conversation. Speaking of us closing the door on the 2023-24 season, 24-25 is right here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Russell Brown, NFL draft analyst at fantasypros.com, also writes for the Lions Wire and hosts the Detroit Lions podcast. Joining us now live on the Lombardi Line, how are we doing? Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Doing great. Uh, obviously, it's draft season, so there's there's uh, nowhere I'd rather be than, than talk with you guys and talking some draft. So let's talk draft. So is Caleb Williams, a lot of rumor about him being the first pick today. Lewis Riddick announced that Jaden Daniels was his number two quarterback overall. Drake Mays taking a beating so far. Uh, how do you have this all stacked up, Russell? I, I'm with Lewis on this. I, I think Caleb is, is the best quarterback in the draft. And then I have Jaden Daniels right behind him. Uh, and then Drake May as my third-ranked quarterback. And my fourth-ranked quarterback is J.J. McCarthy. Um, much to, to Caleb Williams, the reason why I like him so much is just the arm talent, the arm angles, and kind of that back backyard football style of play that he has. It really jumps off the screen. Now, he can get a little reckless with it. Uh, but I, I love it. And then you look at Jaden Daniels. I think he's so composed and so poised in the pocket. He stands tall. He makes some great throws. I, I love his skill set with the athletic ability. I think the RPO stuff that we see in the NFL is really going to translate for him. And I think there's going to be a lot of positives to his game. If he goes to a place like Washington, if that's where he ends up going with some NFL made receivers like Terry McLaurin and the players that are there. So I would be very intrigued with him there in Washington. Uh, but yeah, I'm with Lewis on, on those top two quarterbacks for sure. Caleb Williams, currently a $9 favorite to be that top overall selection in this year's draft. I'll be curious when we get through the combine and some of the interview process with teams, how things come out about his personality, because we just know what we've seen from afar with the nasty things that have been painted on his fingernails and maybe not talking to the media when people expect him to. But from a talent and skill standpoint, everybody talks about this guy being a potential franchise transformer. Um, What have you heard about Caleb Williams behind the scenes off the field yeah it's kind of the same thing that we're all seeing in the media it's you know the 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 way he responded to certain losses on the sideline you know that kind of a blemish and obviously not talking to media at certain times but he can fix it he can have a big week in Indianapolis Indianapolis and make a great case for himself uh, for a lot of reasons to, to show that yeah he can be this franchise cornerstone piece but He's one of those guys that I, I have to go off just the tape. I don't get to talk with certain players one-on-one. He's going to be one of those guys, obviously, uh, unless something happens between now and the draft. But he is he is definitely one of those guys on tape that just checks a lot of boxes. And I think when you look at checking those boxes and the talent level that we see from guys like Pat Mahomes and Joe Burrow and Josh Allen and some of the things that we see arm talent-wise, I think Caleb checks a lot of those boxes. And I think he's going to have to come in and really perform – 
in Indy. He's going to have to have a strong pro day. Uh, I'm curious if, he, if he's going to, you know, not throw in Indy, but if he ends up throwing, I think that'll do wonders for his case. And obviously checking in, getting the height and the weight and all those types of things that, you know, we all, we all kind of drool over those things. So it impacts the grade in a sense. Well, I think, you know, look, we know he's got a good arm. We know he's got good accuracy. I think a lot of it's going to come down to the intangibles in terms of where this thing goes to. But let's talk about the Bears. What would you do if they appointed you the general manager of the Bears? Would you keep Fields or would you take Williams? I would be taking Williams. I, I think you've got a big enough sample size with, with Justin Fields. He's 10, 10 for 28. That's his record. I, I don't think I can sit here and say, yeah, this guy's going to turn into a winner for me. Could he possibly? Uh, I, I think it's about getting the best value for him now. The moment you take Caleb Williams, you know, the, the value for Justin Fields, is it's like a, you know, a car taking it off the lot. The, the value instantly diminishes and it's gone. So I think you try to get as much draft capital as you possibly can for him, whatever that capital may be. Maybe it's a day two pick. Maybe there's a team out there in the first round, like, you know, Pittsburgh. Maybe they want to give up the 20th overall pick for him. I think you can try to do something there. So if I was Chicago, I'd be moving on. I'd be taking Caleb Williams at one. uh, And then potentially, depending on what happens between that and the ninth pick, I'd be looking to maybe move back from nine if there's a team looking to move up for a quarterback. Or maybe I take a receiver to kind of pair with Caleb Williams. Yeah, and Michael, per our earlier conversation. We got to get those receivers in the first round, Stormy. Okay, great. Russell, how many receivers do you have in the first round? How many receivers do you have in the first round? Yeah, I mean, I, huh? I have four. I, I have four receivers in the four? first round as far as ov- overall grades. I think we could see as close to six going in the first round. But of course we could. Early. We might see eight. We probably yeah. could get to 10. I mean, Michael. why wouldn't we get to 10? I mean, the Chiefs just won a Super Bowl without Tyreek Hill two years in a row. we got to get to 10. Why not? Yeah, no, I mean, again, we could see it. I'm, I'm a firm believer that the moment more teams watch the offensive linemen and some of the defensive linemen, they're, they're going to go ahead and jump on board and say, okay, I can take this guy, you know, an offensive tackle that might play guard for me. I can take him in the back end of the first round rather than that wide receiver. We all know wide receivers can be somewhat of a dime a dozen, but the top three guys, you know, Roma Dunze, Malik Neighbors, and, and obviously Marvin Harrison Jr., those guys are talented and they're different from the other guys in this draft. I think of Donnie Mitchell from, from Texas, 6'4", 195, the way he moves, really silky smooth for a player of his size, big catch radius. I like him as well, but I think the further you go down, again, Xavier Worthy out of Texas, I don't know if I'd put him in the first round, more of a speedster, vertical threat, run after the catch kind of guy. We get those every year. Draft analyst at Fantasy Pros, Russell that. Brown, joining us here on the Lombardi line. Now, listen, the quarterbacks and the wide receivers, those are the names everybody knows. <laughs> um, but uh, there's been a lot of talk about how good this offensive line class could be. Uh, talk us through, I know it's still early, but some of the, the top offensive linemen that could go out there and maybe how many you could foresee in the first round. I think this is I think this is where, you know, the next couple of weeks is where we're going to start seeing guys shoot up draft boards. I, I think, you know, Joe Alt's one of the five or six best players in the draft out of Notre Dame. Olu Fashanu, one of the 10 best players in the draft. I, I think his 2022 tape was better than 2023. Uh, but I, I like some of the flexibility you see from a player of his size at 6'6", 315 with his post foot, his set foot, the, the, the way he's able to transfer his weight. It's great. Uh, Talese Fuaga from Oregon State. He's going to be a big riser. I think he's going to test well. I think there's some guard flexibility there, but I still like him as an offensive tackle. And ultimately, I, I think we're going to see six or seven guys that are, are going to go, and we could very well see uh, you know one or two guys that are tweeners 
from the offensive tackle interior offensive line. Those guys primarily Graham Barton out of Duke and Troy Fatanu out of Washington. I like both those players. I thought they played very well at offensive tackle. Wouldn't surprise me if the team tried to bring them in as an offensive tackle with potential to move inside the guard. But I think it's a great class for offensive linemen. And we're going to see a run definitely on day two for guys. But in the first round, teams are going to want that premier offensive tackle. And I think we see a run somewhere in the teams for that position. There's no doubt that the linemen, that's what I was making the point of, is these linemen are going to go, especially since there's so many receivers and there's so few linemen that you get to be able to get to in the draft. So as you look over this, what player that you watched at the Senior Bowl, what really helped his stock move up the ladder? From the offensive line group? No, from anywhere, any position. I'm sorry, Russell. Any position. Yeah. Who who do you think just went down there and say, wow, that guy really helped his stock? Yeah, that's Quinion Mitchell out of Toledo, uh, the, the corner. I mean, six foot, 195 pounds. The, the, the closing speed that he has and the way he closes the gap between himself and a receiver is different of just about any corner in this draft. And without a true number one corner in the draft outside of maybe Terry and Arnold, I think it's really a, a, a wild card of, of who's going to be the first corner off the board. It's anybody's guess at this point. And Quinion Mitchell could be that guy because of just how fluid he was outside of one one-on-one rep with Roman Wilson at the end of practice on day two, he did not lose a single rep from what I saw. I think he's a potential fit for a team like the Indianapolis Colts at 15. I could see him going as early as potentially nine to the Chicago bears. If they want to add another corner, if they don't bring back Jalen Johnson. So I think the ball skills really jump off 45 pass deflections, six interceptions over the last three years for this kid. He is, is as good as they come in this draft. And I think for teams looking for a true number one corner, I think Quinion Mitchell stepped up in the big stage and the big moment in Mobile, and I think he made himself a lot of money. Hey, Russell, thank you so much for doing this. Awesome. We appreciate it, and we'll, we'll certainly be checking in with you more as we get closer to draft day. Appreciate it, thank guys. Thank you, Russell. Russell yeah, Brown, you, you can follow him on X as well. Um, follow all things fantasypros.com. He covers the the draft as well as rights for the Detroit Lions Wire and hosts the Detroit Lions podcast. We ran out of time, so I didn't get to ask him about Lions specific stuff, but fortunately we'll have him on again, like I mentioned, closer Sorry to April. Sorry about that, Stormy. We got, we got uh, caught up I on the know, draft. I, I know, I know. We'll bring him back. Um, we're gonna he, was good. he was good. Hey, he was good. Any guy that has any guy that has offensive linemen go in the first round, you can bring him back on. For Anyone me. that can joke with you about ten wideouts can come back as well. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. This week on DraftKings Sportsbook, new customers can deposit $5 and get a no-sweat bet up to 1000 bucks in bonus bets if your first bet loses. Download the app and use the promo code VSIN when you sign up. That's V-S-I-N. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. Now, when one door closes, another one inevitably yeah. opens, Michael. And that's why we were joking earlier this week, even before the Super Bowl, that they already have odds up for next year's Super Bowl. Let's look ahead to next year in a little bit of a fun, different way. Our producer today, Brian Ortega, came up with a great idea of kind of high school superlatives. You know, those high school senior yearbook awards that you get at the end of the year before <laughs> you go on to college and do all the things. We're going to do that for the NFL. So let's start with this, Michael. Who is your most likely to succeed in the 2024-25 season? 
You know, I, I, I loved, uh, you know, I, when they told me to fill it in on the, on the rundown, I kind of went over it and I thought your pick was really good. I would have probably liked that. I think Jordan it, it, Love is going to take okay. a giant step forward of the Packers. And here's why. I really believe the second year in the system, you take a quantum leap. Look at what Brock Purdy did this year, you know, almost 10 yards per attempt. He's going to take another leap next year. But I think love, if you look at love at the beginning of the year, even the game against the Raiders where really uh, Matt LaFleur was protecting him, he was trying to not lose the game there. I think that he's going to take a, a, a giant step forward. And if the Lions, you know, we should have asked Russell this, but we got carried away with the draft. If the Lions don't match that, it's going to, this is going to be a very competitive division because mm -hmm. they're good on defense. They've got cap room. They're going to draft well. And if he takes that, that step that I believe he's capable of, I think he's going to succeed. I think that's a great point, especially because he is not a rookie going into his second year either. He's had time to learn behind Aaron Rodgers that I think he's more likely to make a second year jump than have that potential sophomore slump type of thing that can happen to guys sometimes. I, I'm with you. And you look at what he did the back half of the season from that week 10 win over the Chargers through their wild card win against the Cowboys. He had 21 touchdown passes and one interception. He was great. If he can have that type of, of yeah accuracy and comfort with his receiving group. And we know how young that team is as well. I think the future is certainly bright for Jordan Love. My pick for most likely to succeed was Jim Harbaugh. I mean, we talk so much year yeah. after year about this Chargers team, and yeah. they're always predicted to be the one that goes toe-to-toe -to -toe with Patrick Mahomes if for the AFC West, and we're going to have that great Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes rivalry. Uh, no, they've had one playoff appearance, and it was a loss so far since Justin Herbert was drafted. And I think that Jim Harbaugh is the right guy to get this team over the hump, bring in some physicality, um, give Justin Herbert the tools that he needs. I, I'm particularly excited just because Justin Herbert, despite having, what is it, the, the most passing yards through his first four seasons in NFL history, he's just 30 and 32. They're coming off a five and 12 season. He has not won. Jim Harbaugh is a winner. And I think he's more likely right. to succeed than fail even in year one. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm all in on the over total of the Chargers, and you know yeah. how I felt about the Chargers last year. You know, I'm all in. I think he brings that element of toughness, and he's going to change the narrative of the team. You know, and I believe that this is going to be the best thing for Justin Herbert's career because he loves. You know, he takes good care of the quarterback, he protects the quarterback, but he also allows the rest of the team to play well. So I, I agree. I like it. I think to me, there's going. I would. It's going to be interesting what the number is on their mm -hmm. over total win total, because I think it's he that's going to be baked in by at least a half a game mm -hmm. that he's going to give them that jump. He's the favorite for coach of the year already for a reason, ladies yep. and gentlemen. Um, okay. So you remember, you, you remember back in high school, there's always <laughs> that couple, that perfect couple that yeah. you think they're going to last forever. Yeah. It inevitably doesn't work out. Who is yeah. the most likely to break up in the NFL this year? Oh, this, this should have been, this, this line should have been who's Brenda and Eddie. There was a great oh. song by Billy Joel called scenes from an Italian restaurant where Brenda and Eddie were the popular studies. And then they, naturally they broke up after they bought the waterbed from Sears. 
which they don't even exist anymore. I think it's Carr and the Saints. I think there's good, this is headed. It's funny. Mardi Gras last night down in New Orleans, there was a, a parade. There was a boat, uh, one of the, the, you know, the floats coming through the town that had a, like mocking Carr's inability to score in the red zone. He kind of took to it in a good natured way. But once again, Carr's going to have to learn a new offense. Mm. He's going to have to play in a new system. He's going to have to learn. It's not going to be his fault, you know. But I think there's so much heat on Dennis Allen, Derek Carr, the Saints team, you know. And frankly, let's be clear. Has anybody really that improved that much in the South? I mean, think about it, right? Yeah. Baker Mayfield went down to Tampa with no fanfare at all and led them to the playoffs where Carr got $40 million and fell short. Yeah, it was the the Saints and the Falcons that were talked about so highly going into last year. And then it ends up being Baker and the Bucks that win that division once again. I went with the Jets and Robert Sala. And oh. y- yes, I think that Aaron Rodgers. the best coach in the league. How could they get rid of him? He's the best coach in the league. Come Not on, Michael. Stormy, you're getting too hard. I, I do think that Aaron Rodgers will get more than four snaps in in 2024. I do. <laughs> I do think that. But I still don't think that it's going to work the way that Jets fans are so sold on it working. Salah's 18 and 33 under Joe Douglas's GM. That's good, isn't it? Isn't that good? 27 and 60 with Joe Douglas as their GM since 2019. They have a 13 season playoff drought. And you think this guy, after we see the athletic article about all of the dysfunction that we didn't even need the article for because we were already very well aware. And I'm freelancing here, but that Nathaniel Hackett's kind of this useless friend boy guy and he's only there because Aaron Rodgers is the actual owner of the team <gasps> my goodness but I, I just there's no way in my brain that this story ends up working I cannot get there I can't either I can't either I'm betting the under and I think it's only going to get worse I don't think it's getting better I think it's going to get yeah. worse because you know look nobody said it but when they fired the scout Rex Hogan nobody what happened wonder how did that happen yeah. Was he all of a sudden the guy responsible for all the bad decisions? There's one guy that got fired from the Jets his whole offseason. But based on that athletic column, we know somebody was leaking somebody in there. Somebody was Jimmy Altieri talking to the police. I, I don't know. I'm not saying it was Hogan. I'm just saying it looked kind of fishy to me. Yeah. Well, and Woody Johnson said that he's been about as mad as he's ever been outwardly. And he said he thinks his team's got the message. So if they don't deliver, which I think that they inevitably don't, then a breakup is certainly on the horizon. Okay, from from who we who we think is going to ruin things and break up and end their everything. Who are you most excited to see next year? Which player are you most excited about? Look, I think I'm excited to see Anthony Richardson. I know Elliot's not working today, but I am excited to see him just as Elliot is because. What the Colts were able to accomplish with Gardner Minshew, who now become a free agent, you know, Richardson gives them that six-back offense. He gives them a dynamic player at point guard. And if he can throw the ball effectively with his size and power, and if he can stay healthy, wow. I mean, why aren't the Colts going to be a good team? Now, just so we're clear, the Colts have to change what they do defensively too, much like the 49ers, because this system has run to the end. This system has kind of gone to the end, and the Colts aren't as dominant as the 49ers are in their front. So it's going to have to go, but I'm excited to see Richardson. I really am. He should get stronger. Remember, this is a young kid too. He's not a big guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and we've talked about it a lot that he's somebody that that because of his limited collegiate experience needs those reps, and there were some – 
certainly some flashes. We know the athletic ability uh, would love to see what's next for Anthony Richardson when he's fully healthy. You know who I'm excited to see also when fully healthy Joe Burrow, because if seeing Patrick yeah. Mahomes win another Super Bowl didn't motivate the hell out of you, I don't know what will. Um, and Burrow, you look at the head to head with Mahomes. He's three and one. The only loss that down to the wire AFC yeah. championship. Yes, they lose their OC in Brian Callahan, now the head coach of the Titans, but you still got Jamar Chase. The rumor on the street is that they're going to franchise tag T. Higgins, so you still got your guys. Ah, I, I am particularly excited to see what Joe Burrow can do fully healthy. He's been to a Super Bowl, didn't get that ring, and you know he wants one. You know, if he would might have been on that field, you know, he's the kryptonite to Mahomes. Yep. I mean, let's be honest. Yep. He's won in Kansas City against that team. He's won in Cincinnati, so I'm with you on that one. Okay, rapid fire for the last minute. We said most excited for, for a specific player. What team are you most interested to see next year? Uh, I'm interested to see the Chargers, yeah. without a doubt. Most interested to see the Chargers. See, and I'm most interested to see the Packers. So that was kind of a back and forth with with who we had for most likely to succeed. So we're on the same yeah. page there, especially the Packers, such a young team too. Um, and then how about this last one? Who's the most important year? I, th- I think it's the Buffalo Bills because I don't I, I think to me they they're going to watch the all 22. They're going to watch that game. They watch Buffalo. They watch Baltimore game. I mean, why not them? You know, why not them? And I think they're going to have to have a really hard conversation with themselves. It's going to be critical. I mean, McDermott is run out of coordinators to fire and people to blame. They haven't quite had the failure of the Chargers in terms of wins and losses, but the expectations are always so high every year for Buffalo, whether it's Josh Allen, MVP, Super Bowl, AFC, all the things. They never seem to get there. So I agree, critical for the Bills. I said most important for the Dallas Cowboys. This final year of Mike McCarthy, last year of the contract for Dak Prescott, they can't get over the hump for that NFC championship. This is a huge year for that organization. We're going to step aside, resetting for hour two of the Lombardi line when we come back. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the 
Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Welcome into hour two of the Lombardi Line presented by DraftKings alongside former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Stormy Bon and Tony with you. Had a great opening hour. Boy, that went boy by fast. We've still got plenty more to cover here in hour two, including some thoughts on NBA All-Star Weekend from Harry Gagnon, who's going to join us. Get his recap of the Super Bowl, too, because we didn't get to talk to him this past week, Michael. Anyway, I didn't even look. Where is the game? This is uh, not a question for me, Michael. I've got to be honest. You know, that makes me feel really happy because we both don't know. We've been so consumed we by have. the NFL that w- I think that's good. You got, look, you, this multitasking crap doesn't work. Like, you got to be consumed with what you're doing. I get it. I'll figure it out. I'll Google it. I mean, as Al Davis used to say to me, I could look it up, kid. Yes, we can, we can look up anything. I'm trying to Google it right now. Uh, in Indy, there we go. Look at that. We did it. February 16th to 18th in Indy. See, but I'm with you because we talk about this a lot um, when it comes to being a good better, right? About having your things that you have as like the isolated sports that you are an expert in, right? And you are a former NFL GM. We're hosting the show two hours a day, talking all things NFL all day, every day. Okay, cut (laughs) us some slack on this. We're we're transitioning. I mean, we all can't be like Will Hill and and be able to be an expert on every field. I mean, that's impossible. There's only one Will Hill. We know that. What's that guy get? paid he's a gm in every league every sport he's amazing it's unbelievable he's got (laughs) such a a diversity portfolio if only steve wilkes and the 49 defense had what he had they would have not lost that wow we had to go there to get to we had to go there michael especially as we've got got we did not touch on on this though we did not touch on this before we go i don't know if i i don't look at noise or news noise but there is has to be some rumblings in that building as wilkes coming back Mm. Because Kyle didn't really solidify it. Yeah, I, I can understand that being a question. And it's funny, I was talking to you last week about my my little sister and her 49ers knowledge and how she was giving me a full... My, my sister, by the way, for anyone who's listening, is nine years old. So she is all in <laughs> on the San Francisco 49ers. Before the game, she's given me this breakdown of the Super Bowl. Like, Stormy, did you know what a good processor of information Brock Purdy is? I'm like, okay, sister, let's take a step back for her, for a moment here. But she um, was... She, words cannot describe. She was all in. She was talking about the defense. She was like, I think the only way we lose this is if Steve Wilkes messes it up. Like, can you believe that? And so obviously the defense got tired. It was not Steve Wilkes' fault, but the back end of the season certainly did not live up to the expectations of that group. No question. I mean, and I think to me with Kyle not answering it, look, I think, you know, I believe this, and this is not a knock on Steve. I believe they have to diversify their portfolio. Mm-hmm. I, they, they're great in the defensive front. We know Armstead was hurt. That came out after the game. We know Hargrave was hurt with the thumb injury, which makes it hard for defensive linemen. I get all that. But when you're a zone team, it's hard to play man-to-man. I mean, all you have to do is look at Jim Beheim, the great zone, the 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 2-3 zone that basically looked like it was a 3-3 zone the way they played yeah. it. Or John Chaney in his match zone that he ran at Temple. Those guys, when they installed the zone, they started with man-to-man because they understood you you have to learn how to play man-to-man to be a good zone team. If you're just a zone team, you can't play man-to-man. And I think that's – if you want to say anything about the Niners since 19 till now, to me, that sums it up, Beth, perfectly. Yeah, I'm with you. And and we do have a headline as we get to news or noise here that involves Kyle Shanahan and the San Francisco 49ers. So let's run that open. Time for news or noise. Is it news? Corleone is a man who insists on hearing bad news immediately. Or just noise. Are you going to act like this is news? Just noise. 
Let's separate the impactful from the insignificant with one simple question. News or noise? Okay, Michael. Well, there were a lot of questionable comments in the post game from Super Bowl 58, but none more concerning, I guess would be the word, than the San Francisco 49ers players saying and admitting openly they did not know the rules to overtime. Kyle Shanahan said in his Tuesday availability, we told everyone as we were waiting for the coin toss to review everything and make sure they're sure before we go out. So we asked position coaches to do that, but I didn't cover it in the meeting on Super Bowl week. I don't think that changes anything. News or noise that the 49ers didn't know the rules? I think it's a lot of noise because to me, the, you know, what he said later about he decides based on the analytics. Look, here's what I do know. And I said this on Monday before we had this. The yeah, 49ers are very analytical. Mm-hmm. They spend a lot of time on analytics. And so they have, you know, the the, the president of, of their operation, Prague, he's very analytical. They knew the rules. Now, the fact they don't tell the players the rules. I mean, sometimes, you, I mean, Hardeman didn't know the rules and the, and the Chiefs are talking about they did. So what do you make of that? To me, it's a lot of noise. To me, they had a plan and their plan was they were trying to get to the third possession. The Chiefs had a plan that they wanted to win the game and they would have gone for two. So they had a lot of two point plays in their repertoire. Yeah. Okay. The third possession was really wouldn't the have other mattered. One didn't. Yeah. E- either way, it's like right. that third possession could wouldn't have mattered if they ended up whether they either win or lose on that second possession. There wouldn't have been a third possession, it sounds like, regardless based on the Chiefs thinking. But maybe because I mean, if he throws the ball to if he throws the ball to Ayuk in the end zone and they don't blow the protection, we're coming down to the game's coming down to one play. I think and that, we would not be having this conversation about who knew the rules, who didn't. That's why I think it's noise. Yeah, I, I think that it just gets blown up more because you do hear all of the Chiefs players and their comments about how it was important for us to go over, which makes me think maybe Nicole Hardman just wasn't listening in those meetings. But the 49ers <laughs> players Not all of them listen, Stormy. <laughs> not all of them listen. Okay, uh, this is a big one. Again, news that kind of got shuffled under the rug because of the Super Bowl. But Albert Breer, great friend of the show here, of course, we're supposed Sports Illustrated and MMQB. He asked Falcons owner Arthur Blank why Belichick was the wrong fit in Atlanta. Here was his response. He said, it wasn't that he was the wrong fit. We had 14 candidates. We always wanted him. All the issues and questions about Bill relative to power structure were completely unfounded and untrue and based on nothing. All of my discussions with him, he was nothing but collaborative, inclusive, anxious to work with personnel and scouting alongside him. And then added a little bit later that we felt for a variety of reasons when we weighed Raheem Morris versus everybody that he was the best choice for us. What did you take away from that statement? News or noise? I mean, what what could you take away from it? Raheem Morris won 21 games as a head coach. You got a guy who won six Super Bowls. So what Arthur Blank is telling us is Raheem's a better coach than Bill. I mean, what else could you take from it? That's the news of that story. I mean, that's the story, right? So really what Albert should have done is said, Arthur, are you really saying that Bill that Raheem is the best coach for your team. And then you're going to go out there and sell that to your fan base that we're committed to winning. I mean, to me, it's news because it's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. It's news. So that's why I'm confused because the line I bolded here was the quote where he said, we always wanted him. Like if I'm reading between the lines, this looks like a man who didn't hire his first choice and he didn't really answer the question yep. here from Breer either. It's like, if it wasn't that Belichick didn't fit, did. it's, it's that Raheem Morris fits better. And that's just, what? Well, no. here is what it was. Arthur had a vote. Rich McKay had a vote. Terry Fontenot had a vote, okay? 
And most of the time, every owner that I've worked for, their votes have five times the power of your vote. Okay, but not in Atlanta. So it went two to one in favor of, of Raheem. There it is. Arthur got I me. Mean, he's clearly saying that he went with the collaborative effort yeah. because the one the one word that's missing in what you read to me is I always wanted Belichick, not we always wanted Belichick. See, there's the there was the there's the difference. I wanted Belichick. That's confirmed. Mm. We never wanted Belichick. That's confirmed. That internal pressure getting to you. But I mean, again, no shade to Raheem Morris. It's just. One thing is not like no, the other, resume-wise. That's all I'm saying. But okay, yeah, we, we, we got a couple no more point. that we got to hit here, Michael. According to right. Adrian Wojnarowski and Ramona Shelburne of ESPN, over a 24-hour window prior to the NBA trade deadline, the Warriors made an unsuccessful bid trying to convince LeBron James to leave the Lakers and go to the Golden State Warriors. And that included a couple owner-to-owner conversations. News or noise that the Warriors tried to get LeBron and he declined. I think it's news. I definitely think they did. I mean, and and here's why it's news. They should try to get LeBron. Like if you're not you're not doing your job if you don't try to go after somebody you think you have a chance to get, right? It's it, you're not doing your job. Like if you want to get the first pick in the draft, no matter what Ryan Poles says, it's going to take a lot. You owe it to the organization to make that call and see actually what is a lot. Define what a lot is. So yeah, I think it's news, and I applaud him for trying to do it. You know, I, I applaud him for Mike Dunleavy Jr. for being aggressive and trying to go after the guys. I mean, that's now you're telling your team, look, we're trying to win here. From a legacy standpoint, would that like affect him at all? Because you understood at first when he goes to Miami and you learn how to win and you have that collection of guys. But would that not be something that's like a downer on him that the team he tried to put together in L.A. as GM LeBron didn't work out? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, look, one thing LeBron is, is is there's no he 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 can change. Obviously, he loves living in Los Angeles and L.A. He doesn't want to leave, but. I think to me, there when he goes into the Basketball Hall of Fame, I, I'm not sure what team will go in as because he's changed, right? We know Jordan's a bull, even though he played for the Wizards. You know, we know there's certain players that last forever. I think, I think that narrative got changed the way LeBron handled it, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm not. I'm really not. Super quick, according to NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, Aaron Rodgers has been recruiting Devontae Adams to the Jets, but the Raiders want to win, believe they can win, have zero plans to trade him. News or noise? I don't I think that's news and I'm not sure it's true. I was told a lot of people that interviewed for the GM job would have traded Adams. They think he's their best asset. I don't think that story's gonna die. I think that's news. I do think that's news. They can say all the right things, but if the Jets put together a package where they are with no quarterback, I mean, wait a minute, Devontae wasn't happy when they had a quarterback when they were trying to move the ball. Now he's you think he's gonna be happy with Aiden O'Connell or a rookie quarterback? This is news. This is news that kind of got pushed down to the side. This is a bigger story than you think it is. Good to know. Something that we will be monitoring. I love it. This is Michael. That's why you're the man. Okay, we got to hit the break. Love is in the air or is it? When we come back, Michael and I will break down some of the new head coach and quarterback pairings in the NFL for 2024. Who's a perfect match and who's destined for failure? 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.